Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's been a while, and uh, I know this. I'm aware of this. It's It's been a wild year. Uh, as all of you know, these last 366 days have been quite different than uh, any that we've experienced before. Um, if you're unfamiliar with who I am and, and, and what this is, this is AJ coming to you here. Um used to be that this podcast was peace of mind and moving forward it may still be uh, haven't quite yet determined what this is going to be called um i love peace of mind i love the idea and the thought that was behind that uh and the people that were involved but uh i'm also considering making this my own thing and so whether this pops up on your podcast is peace of mind or as smarter than your average bear just know that uh still the same one of the same familiar faces behind the mic and uh looking forward to to being able to reach out to you all through this uh through this audio pod uh hopefully uh frequently weekly um but yeah what have i been up to it's a great question um yeah, it's 2020. What have we all been up to? Uh, a lot of being in the house, not necessarily going out or going to do things. Uh, but ultimately, I've, I, I've just been chilling, working on some things on my own, um, trying to make it through this pandemic, which is something that I think uh, the last time you probably heard my voice was nothing we could ever have imagined. Um, trying to hopefully jump back into this space of recording um, and figuring out some other things. Um, One thing that is going to be different, at least for this episode and probably for the foreseeable future, is you will only hear my voice. Uh, And that is because my teammate, my partner, my home dog, uh, Kevin, who was, you know, my co-host with Peace of Mind, is actually uh, venturing out to start his own pizza company. Uh, it's Home Team Pizza, located in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, and he's really putting his heart and his mind behind this, and I couldn't be more happy and proud, uh, ultimately, of him jumping out there and doing something he's really wanted to do uh, through all this time, but also uh, just the fact that, you know, my friend's stepping out there on a branch and, and, and trying something different, um, and I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to support uh I'm ready to see all the great things that are to come uh, from him taking this venture out and, and doing things on his own. Um, I would ask that all of you, under the sound of my voice, try to reach out and support. Um, you can follow them on Instagram. Uh, it's Home Team Nash, H uh, O M E T E A M N A S H, Home Team Nash. Uh, that's on Instagram. Um, right now they're taking orders through their direct messages. So, so reach out to them, try to get you a pizza delivered. Uh, it's incredible. And I, and I don't say that, uh, as a biased friend, I, I think the pizza is tremendous. Um, 
They've put a lot of time and effort into perfecting this. Um, and so if you're able and if you're in Nashville or close to Nashville or visiting, uh, hit them up. And I'm telling you, the service is great. The pizza is great. Uh, and the people behind that are great. And so uh, whatever we can do here on the pod, whatever I can do in real life, uh, or our listeners, we're just going to try to help them out. This is probably going to be one of the the ad spaces that are going to go here. Uh, you'll hear me uh, very often supporting Home Team Pizza because uh, I love the people that are, are behind the scenes, so to speak, uh, putting out their work. And so I know this is just our first episode, but uh, be on the lookout for, for more and more engagement with Home Team Pizza and and, and reach out. Again, I cannot stress that enough. Reach out to them. Hit them up in their DMs and try to get you a piece of pizza and uh, try it for yourself. You know, I've never once in my life been called a liar. Uh, and I'm also a hefty guy. So if I tell you the pizza's good, I'm probably right. I'm probably right. So y'all check them out. That's Home Team Nash on IG. Uh, it's Home Team Nash. So what are we going to expect? What's, what's different? Well, um, like I mentioned before, the name might be different. Uh, the format's going to be a little different. Um, what I want to do here in this space is bring some of the pieces that I loved uh, from Peace of Mind and what we were doing there, but also add in a couple things and, and tweak a couple things along the way. Uh, so what you can look forward is what you can look forward to is hopefully uh, weekly episodes. I haven't necessarily figured out what day I want to release yet, uh, but we're going to try to do weekly episodes where. Uh, you know, got a main topic, whether that be sports, uh, something go- mostly sports, but every once in a while we'll, we'll dive into some social issues, uh, cause I think that's important. And as we've seen over this last year, um, the amount of attention and voices and, and, and things that we can speak into existence has been as powerful as ever. And so, uh, I want to also give that a platform here in, in this space. And so we'll, We'll look into that as well, um, but we'll go over a main topic. Uh, I'm going to bring over a couple of segments that uh, we used to do in the in the peace of mind tapings. I'm also going to add in a couple new ones, uh, but yeah, it, sh- it should be a lot quicker episode to digest than before. Uh, I know that some people were fans of the longer episodes, and that's great. Uh, some people are fans of shorter ones, and, and, and I respect that as well. Um, not going to put a time limit on it because as you all know, I might get on here and have a lot to say. So we're just going to try to work through this step by step, but, uh, ultimately like I'm excited for this. I'm excited to see kind of what the next steps are and where this will go for, I guess a little bit further breakdown on, on, on things that you can expect. Um, one being, I, I know you all love the money line segment where we do some gambling. I, I definitely want to keep that piece uh, from peace of mind. That was probably some of my favorite tapings there. Just going out on a limb, putting those bets down and, and, and hopefully tracking back to say uh, I did well and won some money. Uh, as all of you know, from following those last episodes, I didn't win often, but you know, it's a new year. We're, we're trying new things and, and hopefully this year comes with a lot more victories. Um, so I definitely want to keep that part. Um, also, if you're probably you're probably familiar with the the Mount Rushmore segment, uh, gonna keep that, but do a little tweaking. Uh, 
and you'll see a little bit more of what I'm talking about a little bit later in this episode. Uh, but I think you guys are still going to love it. And then we'll always recap with uh, with something that I have found joy in searching out and looking for in this last year or two, which is uh, a segment that I'm going to call People Matter. Um, if you follow me on Instagram or, or Twitter, you've seen that I love to use the hashtag People Matter when there's just good things going on in the world. I think that uh, a lot of times those things are overshadowed by negativity. And so I want to utilize that spot to showcase and, and highlight people doing good things in the world. Um, hopefully we see a lot more of that in 2021. And um, I just think this is a great space to do that. So that'll be another uh, recurring segment that you'll see every week. And, you know, hopefully you guys will start shooting some some different uh, examples of people matter to me uh, and help me with my selections throughout the weeks. But so those are the, the, the main things that are staying and changing. Uh, obviously we're going to have a main topic, uh, which will be most likely sports related. Um, but yeah, speaking of which, let's just go ahead and get into that main topic. Um, it's playoff season. You know, we got the college football playoffs, uh, coming up for you today. As we speak, uh, we got Alabama and Notre Dame, uh, followed by Ohio State and Clemson. It's been a different year. Um, some good, some bad. But it's, I think we all can agree it's been an extremely different year uh, in the college sports realm. Um, and I think that part of me didn't think that we would get here safely uh, and I put air quotes around safely because I still don't think we got here safely. But uh, I do want to commend all of the student athletes and the coaches and, and everybody that's uh, kind of got a hand in, in getting college sports together on a weekly basis. Uh, I do think this was an incredible feat to get to the end of the year and ultimately um, be able to have these playoffs. And so uh, – I definitely wanted to point that out and, and, and shout that out for for everybody's hard work there. But, uh, nevertheless, let's look at the game. So, in our first matchup, we've got Alabama versus Notre Dame. Uh, Alabama coming into the game at 11-0. and 0, uh, Also, the SEC champions. Um, and Notre Dame coming in at 10-1. Only loss being to Clemson in the ACC championship. Um Gonna be, I think it's gonna be a better game to begin uh, than people would give Notre Dame credit for. Um, while I think Notre Dame is a good team, and I think people knew Notre Dame would have a good team if we had a season, I think that uh, it was kind of still a surprise that they were as successful as they were throughout this year. Uh, one of the big highlights of there being that they moved into the ACC conference for this season so that they could play during the, the pandemic and they were wildly successful. You know, they're, they're only lost coming in the ACC championship game. And I think that's it's pretty commendable for, for a team that a lot of people would love to point out, Oh, they're not in a conference. They shouldn't get to, you know, get an automatic bid into the college football playoffs and yada, yada, yada. I think that they, they showcased this year, um, that they could join a conference, it could be competitive, and, and, and could, you know, compete for conference championships and ultimately make it into the college playoffs. And so that's our first matchup. A uh, little breakdown of what's going on here. Alabama, 
uh, coming into this game, they're scoring 49 points per game, or excuse me, averaging 49 points per game, which is second in the nation. Only two, wild here, only two, Kent State. So, Kent State, I know you guys want Bama next. Uh, it's probably going to be a shootout, and I'm taking you guys to win. Uh, no, but Kent State's actually averaging 49.5 uh, points per game, so just slightly ahead of Alabama, but shocking nevertheless that there was a team that outscored uh, this Alabama team because I think uh, if you've watched any college football over the last you know, couple months, they, they've been tremendous offensively and probably, arguably, uh, one of Nick Saban's most talented offensive teams. And I know last year they had a lot more star-studded names, but I think as a whole – uh, they, they they operate a little bit better uh, this year than they have in the past. Um, on the defensive front, they're giving up about 19.5 points a game, which has them slotted at 17th in the nation. Um, on the flip side, Notre Dame scoring about 35 points per game on average, which is 21st in the nation, and giving up 18 points per game, which would have them rated at 14th. Um, I think the Notre Dame team is a little bit better defensively than they're given credit for. Uh, obviously, that did not showcase in the last time that we saw Notre Dame on the field. But I think if you go back and you look uh, throughout their year, their defense is their defense is good enough to have them in ball games against elite teams. Um, will that matter this week or today? Uh, Who's to say? I personally think that they're a little bit overmatched, but um, I think when you look at the dichotomy of the the college football playoff layout, the other teams that are within this 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 final four, you know, they, their defense stacks up right there with all the others, and so uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how they match up with Bama. Um, but this is, I would say, an elite defense this year. Not overall, not. You know, the greatest defense of all time. But in this specific year, I do think they have an elite defense. Um, looking into some of the key players, when you look at Notre Dame, uh, I think the three big players that you got to keep an eye on for this game uh, is going to be, obviously, Ian Book. Um, he's the man under the center. Uh, you know, he's shown that he can go out there and win you games. He's a tough competitor. Uh, I think he's slightly uh, underrated. I think that he does a lot of things and has a lot of tools that not many college quarterbacks possess. And, you know, I think that that kind of gets covered up because people for one reason or another don't like Notre Dame. But I do think Ian Book as, as a collegiate quarterback right now uh, possesses a lot of different characteristics and, and, and winning characteristics at that, that most uh, quarterbacks that we've seen this year don't have. And so I think if you're going into the game with a guy like Ian Book under center, you got to feel like you got a chance. Now, I'm not saying that he's going to go out there and put up 50, but I, I would say that you got to feel like you've got a chance if you're a Notre Dame fan. Uh, Kyron Williams, like he, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a good running back. I won't say great. He's a good running back. Um, he had a hell of a game against Clemson the first time around, and I think, and, you know, in order to be successful, he's probably going to have to have something similar to that this time around um, against Alabama. And then the Joker on defense, uh, 
He's going to be the wild card. I think somebody on that defense has to present a mismatch for Alabama. Uh, Like I mentioned before, they've pretty much been unstoppable regardless of who they're playing. And so what you got to do from a defensive standpoint is have one guy who can change the game and present problems. Uh, Isaiah Simmons is one of those guys last year who did that for Clemson. Just just put them all over the field and he caused problems. Um, You know, people that come to mind, Honey Badger, uh, Eddie Jackson, people like that in the past, you've just got to have that one key piece that can really go out there and, and, and cause havoc for the other team. And I think that uh, Joker is somebody that can go out there and do it. Um, it it's still yet to be seen if he's going to be able to do that today. Uh, but I think if there's a guy on their defense, uh, it's going to be him. When we look at Alabama's key players, I think we all know uh, what three really stick out. Um, Obviously, you got to say Mac Jones, uh, probably one of the Heisman favorites after Kyle Trask pretty much uh, shit the bed last night. Uh, you got to probably say that Mac Jones is, is lined up to, you know, to walk into that Heisman uh, trophy if he goes out and he performs well against Notre Dame today. Uh, Devontae Smith is, is another one, and I think uh, he's probably the most deserving person uh, for the Heisman, uh, you know, I don't think that they'll necessarily give that award to a wide receiver, but I do think he's deserving of that award. And in a team or on a team that, you know, I think most people would have said uh, Jalen Waddle was clear cut the, the top target and the most important player for this Alabama team. I really think that the way the season played out, regardless of, Waddle getting hurt, Devontae Smith ends up being still the most important person on this team. I think that even if Jalen Waddle was healthy, I don't know if this team would be as dynamic without Devontae Smith. And so I truly think he's most deserving of the Heisman Trophy Award. Now, whether they'll give it to him, that's to be debated for another time. But uh, I think he's the key. And you know, if you can't stop him, you're gonna have a hard time stopping this offense. Uh, and then the last person is Najee Harris, and and I think we're all well aware of Alabama running backs and what they do, uh, especially to Notre Dame defenses. Uh, if you recall, Eddie Lacy put on a show um, the last time that they met in the college football championship, and so I think you know Najee's gonna have a big game. He's he's an elite back who can. He can run the ball between the tackles. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can do a lot of things, and I think he showcased a lot of different things that he brings to a ball club over these last couple of games. But really, after this this last year in general, um, I was one of those person people. <laughs> I was one of those people that thought that you know he would probably leave after last year. And looking back on it, I think he did himself a lot of good coming back this season for a senior year and. You know, really establishing that he is a a top tier running back that you know brings a lot to the table. Um, I was thinking about this to myself the other day. He really reminds me uh, of Lev Bell, um, not necessarily as patient, shifty ish kind of runner, but uh, definitely one of those guys who can you know run all game between tackle, but is a dynamic threat out of the backfield when you throw the ball to him and get him at get him the ball in space. And so, you know, he's he's tormented a lot of defenses this year. 
And, you know, that's going to present another problem for Notre Dame as as we look into this game. A couple of things that Notre Dame can do to try to win the game. Um, I've got a large list, but I'm going to give you a couple of what I think Notre Dame can do. Uh, first and foremost, test these Alabama DBs. Um, if there's one thing we've seen throughout the year, um, and that definitely was on display during the, the conference championship game with Florida. Granted, Florida's got a lot of great talent uh, on the perimeter, but uh, even more so, like when they played Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin, I don't think these DBs present the same kind of challenges they have in the past. Um, you don't see those uh, Minka Fitzpatrick kind of guys and – uh, all those lockdown de- defensive backs that they've had over the years, you don't see those kind of talent here right now. I think Patrick Sertan's probably their number one, but honestly, like, I think he's susceptible to be to get beat. Um, and I would test these DBs. Uh, and I I say this for all college uh, football teams. I don't feel like enough teams try to threaten you downfield as much as they should. Uh, me personally, I think defensive backs refuse to turn their head around and find the ball uh, and they get caught up guarding the man uh, too much and not playing the ball. And I think that uh, whether that be a pass interference, a defensive holding, or a big-time completion, um, take some chances. Like, you're walking into this game as a clear-cut underdog. Um, Not a lot of people believe in you. Like, test these DBs out. That's where they're weak. Um, Ultimately, you got to protect. Uh, Ian Book. You can't just have him out there getting ambushed like he was against Clemson the last time. But I think if you could give him some time, test him downfield and, and, and make them show you that they can defend. Uh, because I, I truly think that's a space where uh, if Notre Dame can be uh, successful in that area, they can stay in the game and, and give themselves a fighting chance to, to maybe win this game. Uh, the second part, uh, no turnovers. Look, look, I mean, that's simple in playing. That's that's everybody's agenda every time they walk into a game, but especially against Alabama. You can't turn the ball over. You can't give a high-powered offense additional possessions to try to put points on the board. You're already fighting in a deficit. Uh, turning the ball on, over is only going to dig that deeper. Uh, normally, I'd say something like win the turnover margin, but – in this case of scenario, I think you have to be perfect in the turnover category. You cannot turn the ball over uh, against this team. Playing field position is going to be important as well, you know. Um, making sure you end every drive with a kick, whether that be a punt or a field goal or an extra point. Like, in in every drive with a kick, and you'll put yourself in a position to have a chance in this game. The ground game is going to be important, too. I mentioned him earlier, earlier, but uh, Kyron Williams, like he's going to have to be effective against Alabama. If he's not running hard well and, and, and ultimately allowing Notre Dame to have these longer possessions uh, and time of possession overall, they don't have a chance. Uh, and, you know, Nick Saban himself will tell you time of possession doesn't win ball games, and, and he's true. Uh, Kentucky, for example, dominated – time of possession, and we got waxed by Alabama. So that's true. But I think when you keep Alabama's offense off the field, uh, ultimately you're going to stay in the game longer. Now, granted, they don't need much time to score, but 
you know, where on that defense? I've already told you they're not the same Alabama defense as before. Where on that defense? Keep them on the field and then longer periods of the game in the third and fourth quarter, you'll have an opportunity to to strike for gold and, and hopefully put some points on the board. Uh, special teams. In a game where you're the underdog, uh, there's two there's two areas you have to be good in. You got to be good in special teams, and you can't turn the ball over. Uh, Notre Dame had some chances to put points on the board early in the Clemson game. They missed an, they missed a field goal. They settled for a field goal, uh, and that's just not going to cut it against a team that can score a lot of points. Uh, special teams is important. Minimizing uh, return yards. Uh, fielding punts so you don't have these hidden uh, hidden yards that you got to make up once your offense gets out on the field. Being crisp and, crisp and clean in your protection so you don't you know have any flags or penalties or setbacks and put your team behind the markers to start drives. All those things are going to be extremely important. And so when you're the underdog, you have to play perfect. You have to do these things right. But I think that's a where that's a space where there could be a difference in the game. As we know, Alabama has struggled uh, in the past in their special team areas, and so if you can win that element of the game, you put yourself in position to win this game. And the final thing that they can do uh, is pray because, yeah, they're up against it. They're up against it, and and you know I I, I wanted to to be a good game, but if we're being honest, like. They're, they're in a tough predicament here because the things that they they need to do, that's pretty much all all 11 of Alabama's opponents have said that this year, and they've all fallen. Uh, and I don't necessarily see uh, over the last 10 or 11 games how, how Notre Dame could beat Alabama, given how they've played before, if Alabama plays their game. <laughs> and so for Alabama, you know, their, their keys to winning is, is simple. It's DWWD. Do what we do. Go out there and play your game. Um, you dictate the pace. Uh, you set the tempo on offense and you match it on defense. You do what Alabama does and do what you've done this year. And I think if you play the brand of football that you've played throughout the year, I think that you come out on top of this game. Um, but to be a little bit more specific, I truly think that uh, Alabama has to show some improvements uh, from you know, what was it, 11, 12 days ago that they played in the SC Championship, they got to show some improvement there. Uh, they didn't look like a championship defensive team. And I think in order to get where they're trying to go, they've got to showcase more and be better in that area. So that's something I'm going to be looking at. And ultimately, that's going to, you know, provide them an opportunity to win a ball game if they show up defensively. Um, so my prediction is... It's going to be Bama 42 and Notre Dame 20. Um, And don't let a 22-point win uh, knock the fact that Notre Dame can't come out and be competitive in this game uh, because I truly think they can. And one thing that I hope that I don't see, which I know that I will see, is you know if Notre Dame loses this game, everybody's going to say that, oh, you should have put in A&M. They didn't deserve to be in whatever. Notre Dame deserved to be in this game. They they went out, they competed, they won the games that they needed to win, and they had good wins to put them in this position. If A&M was in this spot, 
I would pick the exact same kind of defeat because I do not think that they can beat Alabama. A&M's best win was over a Florida team that had four losses. Uh, so when you look at all these details, like Notre Dame deserves to be in this spot. And, and this one game and the outcome should not dictate um, them being deserving of this, this playoff spot. All right. And so for game two, we've got the Ohio State Buckeyes versus the Clemson Tigers. Uh, Clemson coming in 10-1, and one, uh, ACC champions. Their only loss on the season coming to the aforementioned Notre Dame uh, Fighting Irish. And then Ohio State coming in at 6-0 and uh, as Big Ten champs. Uh, first thing that's glaringly obvious is Ohio State has played half as many games as Clemson. Um, and let Dabo tell it, that makes for uh, an easy study session. And you all know how I feel about Dabo. And uh, while I think, yes, it could be true that it, it makes for an easy study session, uh, I think that that narrative is also a dangerous one to play because uh, if we're being honest, only playing six games, and majority of those six games, Ohio State not being at full force, um, you haven't seen what this team's capable of. Um, and if there's anything historically that Ryan Day has shown us, um, whether that be as Ohio State's head coach or offensive coordinator, is the man's crafty and can put up points. And I think that, you know, it might be a detriment that they've only seen six games worth of, of film on Ohio State because there's going to be so much more that they can offer and present to Clemson that they're not prepared for. Um, and that could be the, that could be the difference in the ball game. You know, when we're talking about minute changes, uh, that can affect, uh, a, a huge game like this. I think that this is an area that could present some issues, not to mention that, uh, Clemson's without their offensive coordinator because of, uh, some COVID related issues. And I think that I don't, care how close knit your team is like that's a big chunk of your your team to be missing and so i'll be interested to see what their 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 team shows and, and does uh missing that coach looking at ohio state they are averaging 42 and a half points per game landing them at ninth in the nation in scoring um and giving up 21 points per game which is the highest uh, of any of the top four teams right here that we're discussing, landing them at 26th in the nation. Clemson has been scoring on average 45 points a game, which would land them at third in the nation. Also means that they would lose to Kent State. Uh, and they've been giving up about 17.5 points per game, which would land them at about 11th. Uh, key players that we're looking at from the Clemson side of things, um, Pretty obvious ones, but Travis Etienne uh, has been there for quite a few years. And, you know, I think he's the ACC's all-time leading rusher now. Um, he's an incredible talent that um, can affect the game, as Ohio State knows, because last year he was the one that really unlocked um, their comeback in, in, in the second half with some really explosive plays, him and Trevor Lawrence. Um, another one of their... Another one of their key players that I, I, I truly think affects the game a lot is is James Skowski, which is their, I believe he plays middle, either middle or strong side, depending upon what 
formation they're in, but he plays linebacker. And, you know, he's the heart and soul of that defense. Um, you know, Brent Venables being their defensive coordinator for so long. My apologies. There is uh, an arsenal of fireworks outside my window right now. <laughs> but Brent Venables being their defensive coordinator um, for so long, you know, he's been able to uh, really be a factor in developing these game plans. And I think someone like Skowski is is that coach on the field that you really need. And, you know, being that he's been around this program for a long time, it's one of those things where he can make adjustments and get your team lined up and get them uh, positioned in, in what's going to put them in the most successful uh, spots and not have to rely on Brent Venables as much uh, on the field. Now, I'm not saying that, he, you know, Venables could just walk out there and not do anything, but on the field, it's it's important to have guys like that, and I think that's what's going to make him uh, an important player. Um, and then the final one, like let's be honest, it's Trevor Lawrence. Like he's, uh, you know, he probably should be the Heisman Trophy winner because he is the best player in college football. Um, he's not going to win it, unfortunately, but I truly think that you know he he really should be up there and. And the things that he does on the field, I mean, he's he's incredible. He's one of the one of the best quarterbacks that I have ever seen compete in college football. And you know, it the it showcases how important he is for that team. Uh, when you put another five star quarterback who was number one recruit overall under center, and they lose a game, and then they struggle against Boston, or not struggle against Boston College, but they're in a dogfight against Boston College. Like there is a difference with Trevor Lawrence under center for this team. Um, On the Ohio State side of things, I think it's simple. Um, Justin Fields, like, he's got to play well. Um, You know, he struggled in the Big Ten Championship. There's been some some timing issues with their offense, but, you know, if he plays up to the level of his capabilities, I think they're a dangerous team. But he has to perform well. He can't have a bad game. He can't have – an above average game. He's got to have a great game to give them a chance. Um, number two being Trey Sermon. Uh, he was huge for them. Huge for them. I think it was 323 rush four in the Big Ten Championship. Like he's got to produce. He has he, you gotta you gotta be able to stretch uh possessions. You've got to be able to you know control the ball, keep Clipson off the field like we talked about in the Alabama Notre Dame game. He's got to be effective on the ground. And, you know, if the one-two punch of him and Master T can be effective, uh, you give your team a a much better chance of being successful against Clemson. As Notre Dame has shown, when you run the ball efficiently, that's how you're going to be able to beat this team. Um, And then three, Sean Wade. Like, uh, he's got to play a full game. He can't get ejected for targeting because uh, I think that cost him last year. I I truly do. Um, and not saying that, you know, oh, that one thing is why they lost, because that's not true. Uh, but I really think that that hurt their defense in, in, in multiple ways. And I think not having him on the field uh, was very important. The reason why Clemson won. I think Sean Wade's got to have a big game. Like Clemson, their aerial attack is is tremendous. Like they've got options. Uh, they're going to stretch the field. They're going to be aggressive throwing the ball downfield. And so you've got to have some playmakers on that back end, step up and make some plays. Uh, and also you got to have some officials call it right when they do step up and make plays and, and 
you know, strip a receiver in the flats and pick it up and almost score and, you know, almost change the game around and then it's waved off uh, from a review. But, you know, I digress. That was a whole year ago. <laughs> for for Ohio State, a couple keys to win in the game, I think they've got to be plus two or better in the turnover margin. Um, I don't think that winning it so much uh, guarantees a victory. I think that they've got to be above and beyond ahead of how many times they turn the ball over. Uh, it's going to be a back-and-forth game, and I think if they can steal a couple possessions, that'll put them in position to score enough points to have a chance to win. Uh, fast start, you know. They did this almost to perfection last year. Uh, a couple drops by J.K. Dobbins, and, you know, if he catches those, they got their foot on Clemson's throat probably at – you know, a 24-0 kind of score and really, you know, really putting the pressure on on Clemson if, you know, they, they complete just these small plays that should have been big plays uh, last year. And I think to, to win and to beat Clemson, they have to do those and make those plays this year. Um, and then the last piece is they've got to stop Etienne. They can't let him also have a big day. I think Trevor Lawrence, it's, it's hard to say stop him because he can beat you in so many ways. But you've got to take away uh, one of their two, you know, heads on this on this dragon. And I think that Etienne is the next one. So you've got to try to, you know, control his efforts. You're not going to, you know, hold him to 23 yards rushing. But, you know, if you could really bottle him up and, you know, keep him under that 75-ish mark, you're going to put yourself in a position to win the game. Um, and that's, you know, the big thing about that is extending their third down plays. Uh, I feel like Clemson gets a lot of third and threes, third and twos. And, you know, when, you, when you're in those situations, uh, from an offensive standpoint, with as many weapons as they have, uh, it's going to be hard to stop them on third down. And I think uh, by controlling, you know, the presence that ETN has in the game, you can put them in a little bit longer down in distances and maybe put some pressure on Trevor Lawrence and show him some unique looks to, to hopefully get your defense off the field there. So those are my keys for Ohio State. My keys for Clemson, um, quarterback run game. You know, Ohio State showed some uh, showed that they were susceptible to giving up quarterback runs uh, against Northwestern. Their quarterback uh, was, was quite effective on the ground for a while in that game, uh, as well as last year's game against uh, Ohio State. Like, Trevor Lawrence's feet really, you know, changed the outcome of that game um, after they started with the slow start. So I think, you know, factoring that in and, and, and making sure that, hey, like, if we're going to utilize Trevor, let's let's utilize him as best as we can. And, and that's going to include his feet. Uh, and you got to call plays like that to, to, you know, stretch Ohio State's defense and put him in a predicament. Uh, and, and the final point uh, for, for keys to win for Clemson is going to be got to put pressure on Justin Fields. You got to make him uncomfortable. You got to make him, you know, see ghost. That's air quotes. But see ghost. Uh, I think Indiana did a really good job of, of, you know, making things tough on Justin Fields. And, you know, ultimately he got a, he got a little bit happy and careless with the ball and started turning, you know, having turnovers and putting them in predicaments to, to potentially lose ball games. And I think uh, when you get him rattled and, you know, he's not effective with his feet and he's late throwing the ball over the middle or he's under throwing passes, like 
that's 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 a formula for success if you're a Clemson fan. And so that's what you want to see out of your team as they roll into you know the game on Friday. Uh, but overall, looking at this, I, I you know as much as I want Ohio State to win because I do not want to see Dabo succeed. Uh, I've got to go Clemson thirty-eight, Ohio State twenty-seven. So those are my my recaps for the games. Uh, I'm gonna take a quick break here. Uh, got to add a run, and then we'll be back with one of our new segments. Top five, no debating. Top five, top five, top five. All right, like Drake said, it's top five time. Uh, if you're a former listener of Peace of Mind. Uh, this is going to be a spinoff of Mount Rushmore. Uh, what I wanted to do is just take a category, take an idea, take something, and give my top five of it. So uh, every week we'll have a different category and we'll go over a top five. Um, for, for this week, the top five that we're going to look into is things from the year 2020 that I would like to keep moving forward. Uh, <laughs> obviously, to get five was... Uh, a tremendous feat for myself. So really, you guys should send me cookies and pat me on the back because that was that was extraordinary. But I do think we can agree on these five things to to keep and maintain moving forward into not only 2021 but you know all the years in the future. Uh, number five, keep your six feet. Please don't crowd my space. I think that uh. One thing that's come from this is I enjoy having a little bit of space f- from from me to the next stranger. And you know, if you're my friend, that 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 six feet, that's a whole different ball game that we're talking about. But in a grocery store, uh, in the in the mall, in in all these places, yes, please keep your six feet from me. Not only in 2021, but forever. This is something that I think we all can agree on. Having a little bit more space between you and another person. Uh, has been a a pleasant surprise to come out of 2020. So I'd like to keep that moving forward. Number four, uh, family and loved ones doing player intros for any sport. This, I don't know who did this first, but this was a tremendous idea. I can't stress that enough. I haven't seen one yet that I didn't love. So let's keep this going moving forward. Like, you know, playoffs come around next year, man, roll the tape of, you know, your your pretty kids and, and your wife telling you good luck before the game and introing you. I need this. I need to see more of this into 2021. Number three, versus battles. These were an excellent idea. Uh, we all owe Swiss Beats and, and Timbaland, uh, you know, a huge thank you because this was something to look forward to uh, during, you know, an otherwise kind of shitty year um some of these battles like man we got we got gucci and jeezy you know in a in a room together without a shootout i wouldn't say it was successful because man gucci was he was he was laying it on thick there uh i thought it was gonna get out of hand for a while but it didn't but you know we got that we got uh we got two chains and rick ross uh we got uh, a ton of hilarious memes out of Teddy Riley uh, and, and Babyface from their verses. Um, there were just a lot. That, I'm, I mean, really, they did a, they did a great job of you know getting people that would attract crowds and 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 have, I guess, close battles. Like some of them were a little bit lopsided, but 
I think that the idea and the space to share that excitement uh, was something that I want to continue to look forward to. So I hope they keep these going. Number two, voting and holding your politicians accountable. Um, I can't stress this enough. The turnout that we saw this year uh, for the presidential election was extraordinary. And I, I truly think that uh, this has to set the precedence for everything moving forward. Like you've got to go out there and hold these people in positions of power, power accountable. You know, if they're not doing things uh, to benefit you or your community, um, the people you love, the things you fight for, hold their asses accountable. You know, go out there and, and vote them out if you got to um, spread the word. But you've got to get out there and do that. Um, I think 2020 showed us that um, when people are fed up and really want to put their foot down and make and execute changes by going to the polls, unlikely things can happen. And so um, I truly want to see this continue. Um, it's not just presidential elections, everything. Um, I really want to see this continue. And, and number one, all the fights for equal equality fights for equality um you know whether that be black lives whether that be women's equality whether that be uh, lgbtq whether that be um child abuse and, and and trafficking whatever the fight is whatever whatever subset of people is being oppressed uh, being held down, being held back. I want to see more of this. I want to see this continue. Um, and I don't want it to take a tragedy to, to, to further these initiatives. You know, um, we shouldn't take, uh, it shouldn't take a tragedy of a man or a woman being killed, um, to, to have these, uh, to have these marches, to have these initiatives put out in this, into into a place where people can back it. Let's let's keep these continuously going so we don't have to have hopefully those tragedies in place. And so um that's by far the one thing that I want to see uh continue forward as we move in to the year 2021 and continue it further. Top five no debating. Top five, top five, top five. You thought you were only getting one top five today? No, silly boy. We're doing two this is our second top five. Uh, this one is going to be my top five for the year 2021 uh, and places I would like to travel COVID permitting. Uh, and, I, and I want to be uh, very particular when I say COVID permitting. Uh, if this thing's not under control, I'm not going. So, yeah, don't hold me to these. Uh, but top five places I want to travel in 2021. Number five, Canada. Um uh, some of you may know, some don't, but uh, I had a trip planned uh, with my family and actually Kevin's family to go to Canada this year. First time that I was ever going to get to go to Canada and COVID had different plans. So didn't get to go on that trip this past year, uh, but it is something that I'm, I'm truly looking forward to and would hope to check off my bucket list this year. Again, COVID permitting. <laughs> Number four, Alaska. Uh, this has been somewhere that... My wife and I have discussed for many, many years of a place that we want to go uh, with these crazy flight deals. Uh, it's becoming more of an option. And so, again, COVID permitting, uh, I would love to go to Alaska this year. 
Number three, Oklahoma City. That's a random one, I know. Uh, but I got a friend of mine that plays for the Thunder, and uh, I've never seen Oklahoma City play in Oklahoma City. Uh, and I've never been to Oklahoma. So this would be two large things I'd love to check off my bucket list, as well as catch up with my friend. Um, so that's one I'm really looking forward to and hopefully going to be able to check off. Uh, number two, Chicago. Uh, many of you know this is my wife and I's favorite city. Uh, we would move there in a heartbeat if possible. Um, and so we didn't get, we haven't been able to go in, in over a year now. And it's one thing that we really, really want to try to get back to and go and experience uh, Chicago again once COVID is is hopefully under control and we're able to be out and about and, and, and really take in the city how it's supposed to be done. So Chicago is definitely sitting there at number two. And then number one, um, I really want to go to Yellowstone. Uh, I, I've heard only fantastic things about them. Uh, and it's somewhere that I've really wanted to go for a while. Uh, just never had the opportunity. And so I want to try to use this year to go. Um, I'd love to go for my birthday. I feel like that's going to be a little too soon, uh, at least for flying. But, uh, you know, I've, I've done wilder things, so it may just have to be something I drive and do. But uh, that's my top five. Canada, Alaska, Oklahoma City, Chicago, and Yellowstone. So to wrap it up here, I want to end with our final segment, uh, which is People Matter. And like I mentioned in the intro, this is something that I've been doing online, but I want to take this to good things in the world. And so uh, with that in mind, this week's People Matters is going to go to Kyrie Irving. Um, and this is an interesting one because... You know, if you if, if you keep up with NBA basketball and Kyrie Irving, there's been a lot of things said about Kyrie over the last couple couple weeks, months, years. Uh, just you know, his attitude towards the media, um, his attitude in the locker rooms, and some things like that. And um, while I think there are some things he can work on and be better at, uh, I do think there's a lot of good that he does that gets overshadowed because people have an axe to grind. Um, and so what Kyrie Irving did was his foundation, uh, provided tuition for nine students at the HBCU college Lincoln university in Pennsylvania. Uh, and this was a part of their 11 days of giving initiative that was taking place in December. Um, and Kyrie went out of his way to pay for tuition for these nine students. Um, I think we can all agree education is so important uh, in this day and age, uh, and there's been a, a an additional light shined on HBCUs over the last couple of years, and so for him to come out of you know his pocket and his foundation's pocket to provide access for kids and an opportunity for kids to go to school uh, for free and ultimately further their dreams and their careers is something that I think is tremendous and and you know should be congratulated, uh, and so we want to big up. Kyrie Irving here, and I want to see more of this. I want to see more people doing good things. And so be on the lookout for next week's People Matters because this is something that we're going to continuously see. Uh, also, uh, Lincoln University. Had to look this up, but located in Pennsylvania, they were established in 1854. Uh, a couple of their famous alums 
Thurgood Marshall. Yeah, him and Langston Hughes. Two wonderful gentlemen, uh, both coming out of Lincoln University. Did not know that until I looked it up. Um, Another thing that I didn't know is they have um, a couple other alums that actually founded six schools. Um, Them being South Carolina State, Albany State, Allen University, Texas Southern University, and then an additional two universities that were international. Uh, you can look these up for the sake of not butchering the names. Uh, I'm not going to say them, but uh, I thought that was a tremendous thing that they had uh, alums that were directly related to founding six additional schools. Um, like I mentioned before, education is extremely important. And so wanted to highlight that. So that's going to do it for episode one. And I say one because it's just a new iteration, but you know, we're, I'm back. Uh, this is something that I'm really looking forward to. I hope that uh, you all will give me some feedback. Let me know how you feel about this, where I can tweak, where I can change things. But uh, ultimately, I'm excited about where this can go. And I want to wish all of you a happy new year. Um, it's 2021. Uh, go out and do something special this year. You know, challenge yourself in areas that you haven't before. Uh, and make this year special. You know, I know last year we went through a lot uh, and there's not much to celebrate from last year, but I truly think that that's setting up for uh, a tremendous year in 2021. And and I'm speaking that into existence, not only for myself, but for all of you all. Uh, And in my closing note, I want to say that if I've got any listeners in the state of Georgia, you've got a huge vote coming up on January 5th. Uh, This is for the the two runoff seats for the Senate in the state of Georgia. And I encourage you all, get out there and vote. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but I am going to tell you to get out there and exercise your vote. I think it's it's extremely important for you to be able to do that. And um, don't let anybody tell you that it's it's not, because these two seats could honestly change a lot that's going on in the world right now. and that's a that I mean that's a direct fact, and and I don't know how else to put that. And so, uh, I'd implore you to get out there and go vote. Uh, but until next time, y'all have a happy new year. See ya.